This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. Today, we're talking about music and its effect on mental health. And right off the bat, I want to make the disclaimer that neither I nor my guest, Autumn Whitaker, are mental health professionals. This episode is about our experiences and how music has helped us get through some of our issues. We talk about the effect social media has had on mental health, what music we listen to to turn things around, and how writing and other creative endeavors helps us both work through our issues. Check out Autumn's new album, Night Moods Volume 2, on Think Like a Key Records. Check out The Hawk Percival on social media. Check us out at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. And you can send us coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. Or we can send you merch from performanceanx.threadless.com after you buy some. Again, we are not mental health professionals, just sharing our experiences. If you're feeling stressed, having dark thoughts, feeling depressed, please reach out for help. There are so many places you can reach out to for help, and there are always people happy to listen. You aren't alone. And thank you for listening to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. How you been? I've been good. I just moved to a new place, so I've been like focusing on that, and like things are finally like settled down. Oh, good. It was chill now. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing doing uh, as good as I can, I think. This is our second attempt at doing this, which and it's ironically, it caused a lot of stress last time. <laughs> I know for mental health podcast, it definitely affected my mental health. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so with all that being said, let's talk about music and mental health. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many different ways to do this. So we're probably hit on a, on a bunch of different things. And I, I feel like the first thing we should do is a little bit of a disclaimer saying, okay. I don't want the listeners to get the wrong impression. Cause I'm not a mental health professional. I don't okay, yeah, do this yeah. for a living and we're not offering any health advice. We're just talking about our own experiences. Yeah. Okay. If you are, feeling stressed if you are feeling like you do need to talk to somebody reach out find somebody to talk to there are so many resource resources available that are either very little expense or no expense and if you do have health insurance so many of them have mental health options right there at your fingertips so if you are feeling stressed if you are feeling like you need some help please reach out to a professional yeah so all right disclaimer out of the way <laughs> Time to give our opinions. No. <laughs> right? I know. Like, don't sue us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there are a lot of aspects to music and mental health. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've I've always noticed in my own life is that music has always been a part of my mental health. I mean, whether it's been good or bad, music has always been a part of it. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today. I'll give you an example. So when I went to college, I was in a really dark place and I ended up gravitating towards some pretty dark music. It was early nineties and it was some grunge stuff going on, some pretty heavy stuff going on. And that's kind of what I gravitated to, but it didn't really help me get out of that dark place. Yes. And I had to go through a lot of stuff to get out of there. And one of the things that I've noticed is that listening to those songs again, it doesn't exactly bring me back to that dark place. I remember where I was at and who I was at, but I actually yeah. still like those, those songs. So yeah, totally. they, it, it, it did help me work through being where I was at, but it was more of, this is a song I can relate to because of where I'm at in my own head right now. Yes. So are there artists or songs that that you particularly get drawn to whenever you're in a a uh, particular state of mind whether it's it's dark or really happy. I mean mm-hmm. are there people that or artists that you specifically pull out of your collection or, or stream or or find to to either help you know keep you in that great mind space a little bit longer or to help you pull up maybe pull out of a dark space yeah um probably for like dark spaces jeff buckley oh. like i 
honestly because he's my favorite like um one of the reasons why like i prefer him over elliot smith like they're both like sad boy songwriters is that jeff buckley like he can talk about like suicide like heartbreak loss and like his instrumentation and even the lyrics are still somewhat like triumphant or have like a small sliver of hope you know in there somewhere yeah even though he's like literally singing about like wanting to drown and like yeah. Like, you know, and like, unfortunately he did, but it's like, he still like has those little slivers of beauty. And so when I'm in a dark spot, but I know like, okay, I need to like reach the top of the mountain. Like I'm not going to drown in the pits today, you know? Yeah. I'll listen to like Jeff Buckley. Cause I'm like, unfortunately he kind of made it out of his pits, but didn't. But like Elliot Smith to me, I'm like, that's music to like end your life to like, that's not... You know, to start living again. Like, I would yeah, put yeah. Jeff Buckley on instead of Elliot Smith. Well, yeah. I mean, and unfortunately, they've both passed, but and they, uh, yeah. Jeff was more accidental than Elliot. Yes, yes. So that that's another thing. So, so circumstances for an artist, does that have an impact on you? Like, would you mean like like, circumstance, like life circumstances or yeah. the circumstances that come with being an artist? Well, like like their circumstances, like for example, Elliot Smith, you know, you, uh, he's maybe in a dark place, but he also died by his own hand. So and, is that something that plays a part in why you were drawn to somebody as opposed to maybe not another artist? Smith. Honestly, yes, I am like, I'm diagnosed with major depressive disorder. I've had it since I was like nine or 10 years old. Okay. And so dealing with like suicidal ideation, like it's dark to say this, it's very familiar to me, like almost too familiar. And so that is why, honestly, I feel like on the subconscious level and a conscious level, I would gravitate towards more like jeff buckley like neil young like the sad boys like even roy orbison but they still were like you know what i feel like death but who knows in the ends like the light might shine on me you know that's why i love like paul simon like he's my favorite too and cat stevens as well like he's one of my favorite um, whether I'm in a happy place or a bad place, he's one of my favorite songwriters because okay. he's so good at having very like happy, like upbeat instrumentation. Same with ABBA. But if you listen to the lyrics, they're really dark and talking <laughs> about like intense, <laughs> essential things. And so that's what I love about like those artists versus like Elliot Smith. I'm trying to think of other people who kind of just like depress me. Like I don't really listen to them. Honestly, Nirvana, that's a huge reason why I never had a Nirvana phase. Wow, okay. As a kid, like, instead I went to Black Sabbath, you know? Because same thing, like, Ozzy's singing about dark things, and the instrumentation's, like, powerful. Same with Led Zeppelin, like, you feel like, okay, I might die in war, but, like, I also might, like, win in war, you know? But, like, Nirvana, I was like, his music, I'm like, nothing about it makes me feel like I'm healing, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. As I mentioned before, that was the time period where I was in that really the dark space. The nineties, yeah, all those 90s. bands like Jane's Addiction, all those sad heroes. Alice in Chains. Well, I love it though. I, I, I would listen to Alice in Chains in, 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 no matter what mood I'm in. No, they're cool, but that's why, like, I stay because a lot of my friends would go like to them. And I was just like, that's too dark. Like, I already have like a sadness inside. Like, I don't need to like listen to music that like encourages that. Yes. You know? <laughs> that, okay, so that's a good point. You, you mentioned your diagnosis when you're when you're much younger. Yes. Is that where the writing stems from? Was that something you you did to put yourself in a better place? Yes. Writing and playing music, um, when I was younger, like now, like I have baking and that keeps me healthy, happy too. Yeah. Like music literally was my saving grace. Like for a long time, it was honestly like life or death for me. Wow. It was like playing music or just like, I didn't even know if I was going to be alive the next day. Like that's how much turmoil I felt emotionally, you know? Oh my goodness. And so like, luckily I don't, like I have a psychologist. I've been in like, you know, therapy for a long time. Like, please like go to a psychologist. Um, but yeah, no music definitely saved my life. And I feel like with a lot of musicians, especially rock and roll, I feel like that's why the phrase like rock and roll, like saves lives or like saves my soul exists 
because like every rock musician like even like david crosby rest in peace like they all suffered from depression they all had demons that they were like drinking or smoking away like we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen. And it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more. Plus, an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. And I feel like rock and roll is for people who are broken inside. And like, that's how you become whole. Not all rock stars like make it out alive in the end. Like, unfortunately, like sometimes their emotions win or the yeah. dark wins, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately. But like, yeah. yeah. But it is a good, well, good may not be the right way. It is a medium for so many people who are working out issues. Yes. You know, rock and roll specifically because a lot of people will will channel anger through music or lyrics that might get expressed in another way. So, you know, I I do believe it it does help a lot of people because you just in the genre of rock, you can do something that's light and and happy and nice, but you can also do something that's angry and violent without actually committing a violent act on anything. Yeah, it's like it's not like metal, you know. <laughs> like rock stars, they're not—they weren't like running into churches, like lighting on fire, like being crazy. Exactly. Not. Uh, yeah, we're not. No. Not Norwegian black metal. Exactly. Yeah. That's like another because I feel like that's good music. Like when I was thirteen and fourteen, I feel like everyone had angst when they're like thirteen, yeah. fourteen. You know, that's when I was really into like Isengard and like Burzum, like those dark, you know, Norwegian black metal bands. Mayhem. Yes, exactly. And like I was in love with Danzig. I still have a crush on him, but like I was like in love with Danzig. Like I feel like that's like the angriest music like phase I had. Okay. My like weird like black metal like Danzig like all morning all night phase. Oh wow. Okay. Oh, so that's pretty good though. That's 
that's some intense stuff. So yeah. <laughs> it was like really heavy. And it's weird because again, like I couldn't listen to Elliot Smith, even still now, because I was like, oh, that's too dark. Like that makes me feel like off in myself. But I would like listen to black metal and stuff and be like, yes, like they understand. Yeah. You no, know, like Unfortunately, those guys, uh, they did take it a little far, I will say. Yeah, no, they definitely committed acts of violence. Yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't doing it, you know, so that's all that mattered. <laughs> and the weird thing is that they they ended up turning on themselves a lot of the time. Yes. So. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. I think, is it, oh, is it whatever band, um, ugh, that Burzum, that guy, like, he came from, it could be Isengard or whatever, but they, like, Ended up like murdering each other or something. Oh, uh, it was, well, it was mayhem. Oh, it's mayhem. Hieronymus, okay. uh, yes. Well, death killed himself, and then Euronymous killed himself. Yeah, it was just a whole mess. And there's a whole lot. There's actually well, several podcasts. My birthday twin. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> wow. I hate that. I know. Oh my gosh. When I found that out, our birthday's on Tuesday. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh. Man, well, happy early birthday. Right? To me and Euronymous. <laughs> Gosh. I would say rest in peace, but there's no way he's resting in peace. No, he didn't no. live in peace. He's not resting in it. No, he didn't. No. So if anybody has any questions about that, I there are several interesting podcasts about that. I would highly recommend um, so if you wanna if if you want to laugh your way through it. Last podcast on the left does an amazing black metal episode from several years ago and it's it's hilarious so it's probably yeah. the best way to work your way th through that insane awful right. mess <laughs> metal band history oh, yeah gosh. how has your songwriting evolved with your mental health since your diagnosis as such a young child and were you writing music at that point or were you just writing and then it became music and has it progressed with your, you know, your therapy and your handling of the diagnosis throughout the years? Well, I'm trying to think like, I probably started like actually writing like real songs, I think 15 or 16. Okay. And besides the fact that like being 15 or 16, again, you're in that angsty period, you're kind of just like, whatever, like everything makes me mad, you know? So like my writing definitely was like not as mature as it was now, you know, yeah. in regards to like emotional articulation, <laughs> you know, that makes it sense. Was, you know, it was more direct and just like that, like word vomiting. But like, I think now, cause again, like I'm 30 and like, I've been in psychology for a long time. Like I definitely articulate myself emotionally better. Like I know how to be less like self-indulgent and just like, provocative because I'm like, I feel this way. So I'm just going to say it in like the craziest way, you know? Yeah. Like I'm yeah. more like cryptic and I'm more like mellowed out. I feel like at least like I can talk about like dark things or heavy subjects without using like heavy terminology or like, you know, like verbiage. So like, cause I hate songs that like that where like they're talking about, okay, I feel dead inside, but like the lyrics are literally just like, I'm dead. Like, it's just so obvious. And like, okay, we get it. You're like dead. Like, yeah. You know, like, on the nose. Yeah, exactly. Can you give us something to like think about or like, yeah. You know? exactly. So I just like try to be like indirect, but direct as possible. Like I try to stay poetic with it because I believe like not all emotions are poetic and it's really easy to make like dark emotions just like ugly and not poetry anymore yeah you know like people are just leaning on the like ugliness and like edginess like okay let me just be so dark because that's like what the people want and that's not really what the people want actually you know <laughs> i think you're right i absolutely think you're right because if doing that kind of limit well i mean i don't want to say kind of it definitely limits you and your audience because yes. look at we were just talking about david crosby he just passed away yesterday as of this recording yes and, and you know he wrote some dark stuff but he wrote some beautiful stuff and he wrote some beautiful stuff that was dark that you didn't realize yes and he was able to reach such a, a wide audience because he could deal with his own demons but make you happy while he 
you were listening. Yes. Yes. And like connect with you in a way where like, you're not feeling weighed down by his demons, you know, Exactly. like he's like, yes, I have these demons too, but like we can still connect and we're not going to like drown. Cause I hate artists that like lyrically, like all that's why, like, I don't even know what genre of like music this is, but like the little peep people, like those people or whatever, do you know them? No, no. They're, like rap, but like all their lyrics are like literally about like, Oh, I want to off myself. And it's so direct. And like kids like listen to them and it's just like, dude, like you can talk about your demons. Cause unfortunately, like a majority of being an artist, at least a good artist, is kind of exploiting your own dark feelings and profiting off of it, you know? True. That's like if you, true. at the end of the day, like as like kind of just not pleasant as that sounds, like you are marketing like your most like ugliest feelings, but you have to package it in a way where it's still accessible and still palatable, you know? And so it's hard because a lot, especially modern artists, because unfortunately in modern times, I I believe like art's losing its poetry. Like it's a mystery. Like most of the people writing lyrics, it's just so obvious and nothing's very profound anymore. Like no one's going to be a David Crosby, you know, we'll never get that again. And I think unfortunately social media is partly to blame because People yeah. want to be shocking. You Shock get more, you, yeah. You get more likes and retweets and all. If it's shocking, than if it's beautiful. Yes, and that's exactly. a shame. Yeah, and it's such a shame, and that's why, like, I'm just so not into just being like. If I'm like, you know what, I feel like death today, like I'll say it in a different way. I'm not going to straight up be like, I'm dying. Like you're dying. We're all yeah, we're dying. all dying. You no. Know? It's just like, Jesus Christ, the world is already dark. Like, of course there's darkness, but it's like, again, like you can say in a way where it's like, you know what, that was so dark, but that also kind of gave me hope to live. And it made me feel like I'm not alone. Someone else feels this dark feeling, but also is showing me like, okay, I feel this dark feeling. I don't have to drown in it. You know, I can still live and like figure something out, you know? Yeah. And if your lyrics are, are that obvious, I mean, you're not telling me anything I don't already know anyway. Exactly. So exactly. I want to hear somebody turn, take something and make it beautiful. So for, uh, and, and we'll go back to David Crosby because he was such a beautiful arranger vocally. Uh -huh. I mean, his harmonies are just, he, he could be singing. Out of this world. Yeah. He could be singing the most awful thing about the most awful thing, but yes. he's going to say, he's, he's saying, all right, this is dark, but let's make it sound angelic. Yes. And that's important too. Like the instrumentation, like again, why I love Cat Stevens, like same with Crosby. You can say, you can be singing the darkest thing, but the instrumentation is like so heavenly. Yes. You know, you forget because people forget like death. There's also like heaven. Like there's also like going into the light. It's not just like, okay, we're dying like six feet under, you know? Exactly. So I love that about him. Like same with like Steven Stills. Like honestly, the whole band, like Crosby, Stills and Nash, like they were one of like my biggest influences as a songwriter, especially as someone like growing up with depression and like experiencing a lot of dark things that like people older than me have experienced, you know? And I think that's why like, as like a 12 year old, a 13 year old, like I could listen to these dudes. Like, obviously they weren't in their thirties. Like then they were old, but like these dudes who were like 30 in their seventies, like singing all this loss and shit. But I'm like, no, I feel that. Like, I don't feel alone. Like this dude, like he's like singing everything I feel in my heart, you know? And so I, I love Crosby, Sills and National. Always love them. You know, have you ever written anything that was, too intense or too uh too emotional for you to either record or, or release yes like i have um i'm trying to think maybe two or three songs like there's certain like i have a rule like not all traumatic things that happen to you are poetic that's a good point and that helps me also like decide like, okay, like what is worth sharing with people that will help them not damage them, you know, because again, not everything traumatizing is poetic. And like, that's a huge thing. Like nowadays, like we're talking about like social media, like everything has to be provocative. Like everything has to be like, glamorized and like, and it's like, no, not everything can be glamorized. Like not all trauma could even make a good song. Cause it's like, this is so like messed up. Like it shouldn't even be poetic. 
you know. <laughs> okay, so you made you made a good point because it it goes so far on both ends. It, it's either everything is either super dark or absolutely perfect with Instagram yes. filters and everything. Yes, faces don't look like that in real life. No, it's crazy. <laughs> so it goes to the extreme on both ends. Yes, I didn't even think about that because a lot of times when you think about mental health, you think of the the dark end of it. You don't yeah. think of the other end and maybe taking it too far the other way is just another version of being dark. Well, yeah, that's a kind of a form of denial, like acting like everything is so positive. Like yeah. I can't even see the dark things. That's part of the reality of life. Like that's kind of worse because you're almost being delusional or not being in check with reality, you know? Exactly. The, the, the whole, I just woke up and I, this is how I look. Yeah. Going on for a while on Instagram. Yeah, because it's like no one looks like they literally were doing their makeup for three hours. <laughs> no one when rolls out of bed like that. Like if you don't look like you fell out of a wind tunnel, like you're lying. Yeah. You know, when you wake up, <laughs> like you're lying. Like stop photoshopping yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Even taking it to the extreme on the, on the positive side ends up, it is not healthy. Yes. No, it's not. You have to be in the middle. Like I even I'll do this sometimes, you know, like as someone who has like major depressive disorder, because sometimes like I'll be like, no, like maybe if I just don't like forget I even have depression, it won't even exist. But what I've learned like from therapy and just like life experiences, like life can still be beautiful, but you have to accept that like life is like a roller coaster. Like it will never just be like, everything is so good for the rest of your life. Like even people who are so successful or like, again, like appear on Instagram, like their life is so perfect. Nothing goes wrong. It's like, no, like even the most perfect lives, like something goes wrong, but it's yeah. like how you handle it, you know, and just, you have to accept like whatever, maybe today will be the best in my life and maybe tomorrow won't be, you know, but whatever, that's just like how life is and nothing is permanent. Yes, exactly. And music can help with that. Yes, exactly. Yes. And that's what I love about it because I will, when I'm in a bad mood or feeling but I've learned not necessarily to to pull out the music that's going to enhance that but maybe to turn it around yes like you find kind of like middle ground music like I honestly like to listen to kind of like medieval like folk prog like when I'm feeling super down or like tense because it's kind of like whimsical and it's almost like a jet. It's like listening to jester music. It's like, how can you be sad when all this instrumentation makes you want to start laughing? Yeah. You know? That's so I excellent. like middle ground music. That's what I call middle ground where it's like not happy or not sad. It's kind of just like, this is it. And like, you can have fun, you know, like the lyrics aren't going to like take you on like an emotional journey. You know, right. it's it's like neutral. That's what I like about like folk prog. Cause usually they're just singing about like folk tales or like weird, like Celtic lore. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, am I going to cry? Like listening to a story about like Sir Galahad or something or be like, yeah, you know what? I am going to go cuss someone out. It's like, no, I'm just going to be <laughs> like, Oh, let me listen to this and be like, wow, fantasy, you know? Sometimes what I will do, and this may just be me, I don't know, but I will take music that I like in a language that I don't understand. And that way I don't even know the lyrics. I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but the music really makes, turns me around, makes me feel better. So. Yeah. So I do that too. That's my other Turkish psych. Oh, cool. It's my other middle ground music. Cause again, I have no idea what they're saying. It's so, oh my God. I can send you some of the artists I found like after. Oh yes. But it's so, it's from like the seventies and like, I have no idea what they're saying, but like the language is beautiful. The instrumentation is so cool. And so again, it's like, how can you do anything but like be in the present? You know, you almost forget like the weird things of life that were like distracting your mind. Cause you're just like, okay, let me listen to this cool, like music from somewhere else and just like travel with them. What I've done, there's this band that I have found that's insane and they're Japanese and I don't know if it's considered J-pop or what, but it's called Wagaki Band. Oh, wow. I haven't heard of them. Oh, I will send you a link. It's W-A-G-A-K-K-I. And they blend traditional Japanese instruments like shamisen and some of the percussive instruments with electric guitar and bass and 
keyboards and it's just incredible it, i love it so much i don't yeah. understand what the hell they're saying <laughs> but they're just really really and they do some vocal effects that are not like the auto tune it's just it's something else that they're doing it's just really yeah. strange but i love it so much and it makes me happy so when i'm in, in a weird place i'll listen to a gaki band okay yes i love that We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So that's one thing you can always do to distract yourself is, is listen to music that, that in a completely different language that you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you're feeling, you particularly are feeling like maybe you're, you're going down the wrong way. Do you pull out the pad or your phone or do you start writing music or are you more listening to it to help you get out of that mood honestly i listen for i always put on that's life by frank sinatra whenever i feel like just so down the dumps i'm like i don't know what to do with my life anymore i have no direction i literally i call him frankie baby i'm like if i knew him when he was alive like i would call him frankie baby so like whenever i'm sad i'm like no i gotta put on frankie right now like he would tell me literally like get up like you're fine like cry but it's like no you can't just like die on the floor you know it's like whenever i just need like a pep in my step i put on frank sinatra but that's after awesome. that, all right. But yeah, Frank Sinatra, that's my guy. He I, gets me the dumps. <laughs> I have a I have a similar guy, but it's not Frank Sinatra. It's David Lee Roth. Oh my oh <laughs> I put on David Lee Roth to put myself. Up. I was like fifteen and I had a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> he I will put on the Eat Him and Smile album and listen to it front to back and at the end I'm like Yeah, all yeah, right. Uh, all right. He's definitely pump up music, like for sure. And no matter what, it's, whether it's Van Halen or his goofy ass solo stuff that he did. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Solo stuff is so campy, but it's hilarious. And it's hard. You can't be sad while listening to that. Oh, I'm telling you, put on um, Big Trouble or um, Elephant Gun, anything like any any of that stuff by David Lee Roth. Any of those songs, you can't not smile by the end of it. Yes, I love that. So, so what does trigger you to write? Is it being when you turn around and, and get happy, or does it have anything to do with mental health, or is it something else? It's when I feel less like in this stage of catharsis where you're just like, Bleh, like I'm just gonna say like the ugliest things and like all my ugliest emotions. Because to me, that's not like poetry. You know, that's why like I have issues with Bukowski. You oh, know, because oh, okay. like his writing reminds me of that, like, because he was, he would just get literally wasted and like free format shit, you know? So I try not to do that, you know? I'll sometimes like have like voice notes in my phone. Like, if I shared my voice notes, like, you would be like, oh my God, like my lyrics before I revise them, like, they're super like indulgent and just like ridiculous. Oh, sorry, cool. But I always try to like center myself and get to the level of um catharsis where i'm more like introspective you know than like in the thick of it like in the ocean i'm just like all those emotions you know that's interesting all right so so you're kind of working through some 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 heavy emotions and then you go back and you do a second draft third draft to kind of make it i like like to revise yeah 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 make it a little more palatable like you said palatable and just more poetic because again like not all not everything traumatizing is poetic not every emotion you feel or express is poetic you know and so i for me like i don't find it poetic when i'm just like blah like word vomiting just like these are all my feelings and like ah ah because in the end i'm just like sometimes i don't even feel like that anymore or the way i'm trying to express myself like the way i was being like in the moment catharsis like takes away from the message i was actually trying to say because i was just so focused on like the fanfare and the like ah part of it you know right. well, getting it out of you Yes, like the vomiting, you know, because yeah. it's like vomiting, like after you're done, then you're like, whoa, I feel so much better. But like, while it's happening, you're like, like this is <laughs> hideous and disgusting. So that's how I feel about like writing with my emotions, you know, because all my songs are about my ugliest 
most terrifying emotions, you know, that's what my album night moods, like that's what night moods means. It's my moods or thoughts that keep me up in the night. But of course, like when I, when it's in song form and like everyone can listen to it, like it's a version that's more like, okay, like when you listen to it, you're not going to feel the poison that was in my body, you know? Oh my God. Like I have the experience. Like, cause I don't believe again, like in damaging people with my own damage. Oh, that's, Oh, you know, and art can do that. Cause when arts are, when artists are super self-indulgent and forget the fact that like other people are going to be looking at this and there could be people who are more fragile, you know, they could be really young and impressionable and they may think, Oh, maybe I should be dying and like drowning too. And like destroying myself. And that's what makes you an artist. And it's like, no, that doesn't make you an artist. That's just, unfortunately, a lot of artists have deep pain, but that's not what makes them an artist. I think two of my favorite examples of what you were just saying, of of you doing that and, and working it, out to making it more poetic are the song night moods and I might be dead because that yes. song, the, the title is I might be dead, but the, the <laughs> lyrics are, are actually wonderful. I love how it, you turn that around and, and make it positive. Yes. And that's like, in that song too, especially I might be dead when I was writing it, I was keeping like cat Stevens in mind. So I mentioned before, like I call it the cat Stevens effect. So like people who are able to sing about sad things and everything else is upbeat, the instrumentation. So you almost forget, like, again, my titles, I might be dead, but a lot of people, when they talk about that song, they don't even realize I'm singing about like how I actually felt dead inside. Yeah. You know, they don't see that. They see the part like, oh, no, but then like, I'm like, it's my own lyrics. And I like forgot them. For a second. <laughs> you know, like I might be tired, but I have a lot of love in me. Like they focus on that part, which is good because in the end, that's what I want them to focus on. Right. You know, the fact that like, despite that, I still have love and like, remember, love is still possible. That's why I love Jerry Garcia, you know? Because in his songs, like, yes, there's a lot of, like, jam songs, but, like, in the songs where it actually was, like, a song, you know, (laughs) like a 30-minute jam, like, I love Jerry Garcia, but he talks about that, you know, he talks about how, like, you can't forget the love you give, like, you can't forget the love inside, like, no matter how broken, like, dark you feel, you know, he has songs where he's literally singing about, like, being wasted, like, walking around San Francisco at night, like, wanting to die, but he's like, no, I never forget, like, how much love is in my heart though at the end of the day or like how much love is waiting for me and so I try to be like that like I try to be like Jerry and and Kat Stevens like both very sad people dealt with addictions like dealt with pain but like their music like with Jerry Garcia like most people don't think like oh this is a sad jam they think of like his like upbeat like guitar thing like soloing but his lyrical content is so sad you know it's super dark, but he could say in a way, again, that reminds you, like, no, even though I feel this dark, like, I still try to make a point every day to, like, have a good day and find the light somewhere. So do you go back to your word vomit from way back and ever look at it and either work something out of it or look at it and be like, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> a little bit of both. All honestly, like, there's some voice notes where I'll just start cracking up. <laughs> 
sometimes like I'll be in a dramatic phase where I'm like, you know what? If I just like waited a day, like I totally would have been fine. Like if I contacted my future self, I would have found out that I actually was okay. And like, I wasn't like the world wasn't ending. So I have some voice notes where I'm like, Jesus, I was really in a moment then, you know, (laughs) but I'm just like, okay, at least like I was feeling something. So I try to acknowledge that. I'm trying to think, um, I think on my album, one of the, oh no, one of my singles that like I'm working on now, like a lot of the singles I'll have are songs that like started off as word vomit, like maybe eight years ago, like when I was working with my band, I had songs that I kind of put to the side that I was like, you know what, this is for me. Like it's not to work on with them. And like those songs, like lyrically I'll go in and like update, like kind of modernize and also revise. Cause again, a lot of like the songs I was writing with my band, I was like 21, 22 and I'm like 30 now. So like emotionally, I'm definitely like grown up, you know, as you should by the time you're 30. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Hopefully. Um, I'm like, not everyone's blessed with that, but but no, it's definitely like, I'll try like again, because like I was in a place where I was just like, so you're 21, you know, you think everything is like the end of the world. Like everything's dramatic. Like everyone's the love of your life. Like, you know, (laughs) like, so some of those songs I'm like, yeah, that's going to stay there. Like. You know, if I ever have like a career like Neil Young or something, like when I'm 60, I'll release those things. It's like open the vault, you know, but (laughs) probably never. And it will not see the light of day, you know? (laughs) So uh, does performing cause any mental health issues for you or stir stir it up? Is it difficult for you? A hundred percent. I don't perform anymore because of how negatively it affected my mental health. Wow, really? My physical, I have chronic illness, but like it would have affected my physical health in the long run anyway. But um, yeah, no, working with a band, like it was very, I'm trying to think what band to compare it to, but it just, it felt like honestly the Beatles towards the end, like during the Get Back documentary, but like for eight years straight, like I never really had a good, like, Oh my God, the Beatles in the beginning, like the Cavern club era, like we're all having fun. I never had that. It felt like it went straight to like, we're all like at 1969, like everyone's like a snake, you know, Yoko. Everyone's Yoko. Cause honestly, like I was the type of band leader. It took me years to become a Paul McCartney. I was very much a John. I was just like very into my own emotions and like the dreams and the fantasy and like the vision. I was like, no, like I can't, I need to like, um, cancel rehearsals for a month. Cause I have to lock myself in my room and just like, right. I was honestly more Brian Wilson than John Lennon. So that's why too, like I'm very, because like I have major depressive disorder. I have other things like I had to on like fire my whole band and like retire essentially from performing because I felt myself heading down like a Sid Barrett road. Oh, wow. You know, cause I come off very strong. Like I can be put together, but I am very like sensitive and I'm very like, not so much now, but at the time I was very impressionable and I would get hurt very easily. And I felt like Brian Wilson and Sid Barrett, cause I was around people that I shouldn't have been around. And they knew of like my certain like emotional issues and things like that. Kind of like Brian Wilson, like his mess up, like doctor person, but like all of my bandmates were like the doctor and they were all like weaponizing the fact that like I had certain mental things. And like at the time, like I didn't have the right psychologist. So like I wasn't getting the right help. And, and then so, if your band members are taking advantage of the fact that they know how to trigger you one way or another, that's really unhealthy. You know, and like convincing me that because I had all these things, I would never be respected as a musician. I would never be respected as a band leader, oh, Wow. you know? And so that's why I hated like after when we would play shows, like the whole time I had like self-hatred because at the same time they needed me. I was writing all the instrumentation for them. I was writing all the lyrics. They could barely play my songs. I had to contain, I had to revise my songs constantly just so they could play through the whole song. Oh. 
Oh, and they would convince me that I was crazy, like Brian Wilson. They would convince me that I was a Brian Wilson and that my songs were bad anyway and too complex. And like people wouldn't take me seriously and look at me like I was a Sid Barrett. Oh my gosh. And so it's just awful. Like, again, it's not like that for everyone. But I tell people, like, people who are, because in the end, like, I just, like, I play solo. Like, I just Todd Rundgren my thing. I'm like, you know, I like to do everything by myself. Oh, cool. I would like to perform with a band one day, but I decided, like, there are people who are older than me because people who are my age, like, most people my age, they have a lot of insecurities they don't deal with and, like, they don't really know how to like operate in like a symbiotic situation. Especially when it comes to like bands, it's not just people my age. Cause this is happening through the dawn of time, like bands falling apart because of ego and one person. Like I was reading today. I don't know if you know about like Fairport convention. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Fairport convention and my favorite person is Dave Sporbrick, rest in peace. But I was reading about like the jealousy between like him and like Richard Thompson. And like when Dave Sporbrick came in, Richard Thompson started practicing four hours a day just cause he was so insecure and felt threatened. And like wow. Dave Sporbrick's story, like honestly it was, um, why too? I don't play in the band. Cause like, I was always that player, you know, like uh, everyone else in my band, like they weren't classically trained, but they graduated music school and they would hold that against me. And I was kind of like a swarves. Like I could smoke, I could like smoke an ounce of weed be on the floor, but play like a 12 part, like instrumentation or just like write all the songs and perform a show. And like literally an hour before I was like, dude, I'm going to like jump off this roof. And so they started getting envious towards me, even though I was like, why would you envy this? Like, I literally want to blow my brains out and then I have to go sing on stage all night. Like, why would you envy this? Like, it sucks. And so that's when like the weird, like turning against each other, like band stuff started happening. And so that honestly, I was like, you know what? I need to stop or like, I will end up like Sid Barry. I will end up like Brian Wilson where I barely can even perform anymore or even function, you know, because I was so just mentally beat down. So for me, I'm like, I'm bands honestly trigger my PTSD, like the thought of even performing in a band, but I do miss it. Like I'll watch live performances of like my favorite bands. I'm like, Oh, I miss like being on stage with your buddy and just like jamming and like locking eyes or just like laughing on stage. And like, I miss that. But then it's like, that's not all that it is, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not just fun and laughing. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) As much as like, cause I wish it was all just laughing and we're on stage and like, you know, but it's not. And like David Crosby, like I literally was reading today, like one one of his interviews in 2019 when he was talking about like how he wished he could be friends with like Neil Young again, like during that period, cause I think they were still, yeah, kind of weird. And so I was just like, it's so true. Cause he said the same thing. He was like, you know, for 40 years, we were just like laughing, playing. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I can't stand you. Yeah. It's, and, and it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's that's in their relationship has always been kind of weird anyway it's a big personality being an artist you know you have naturally a moody personality and i always say like being an artist is its own form of narcissism you know like all artists like we're all egocentric if there's an artist out there who doesn't call themselves selfish like they're lying okay. they're in denial <laughs> you know they're in denial even the best of us like we are egocentric you know i agree with so you so it's there. just like yeah it's amazing like bands like the rolling stones like who never broke up could always play with each other forever literally like the they're they don't have an original lineup because charlie watts passed away you know i feel like they're the rare band where it's like wow somehow they were able to play together and not be like i want to kill you like i can't even be in the room with you let's never tour again you know even if they they were that way they still kept together to play yeah because we don't know you know we don't know what happened behind closed doors 
but it's like they're literally, I feel like the only rock band where like they still play. They they never had moments in the press where like it was publicized, like, oh, they don't because like that happened with Cosby Stills and Nash. Like it was public knowledge. We all knew they didn't, you know, F with each other. So, you know. Yeah, I, I can't remember a time where I heard of a Rolling Stones feud. I, I remember hearing that, you know, maybe they somebody wasn't happy with something or other, but nobody was ever feud. There was never a feud. Like, there was never a Beatles situation. Like, never, <laughs> they never had that story, you know, where they fell apart and, like, they didn't have that. So I think it's rare because, like, I wanted to be like that, you know, when I had my band. That's why I kept sticking it out. I was like, no, like, I can get through all these rough patches. Like, you know, the Rolling Stones are, like, 70, and they still do it. Yeah. They put yeah. up with each other's bullshit and somehow get along. But I was like, you know what? No, like I'm, it was basically like a Crosby sells and nasty. Like it felt like that. I was just like, no, sorry. Like not everyone can do it. Not everyone can stick it out. That's okay. So you've got new music coming out. How did that affect the new music that you've been working on? It honestly made it better. Like, and I've even had other people and like, I've got, like, as soon as I fired my whole band and started writing my own music, like, that's how I started getting more like press and like people asking, like, even like podcast interviews, you know, people asking to like talk to me more and listen to my music and like more like radio plays and stuff. It was like weird. And like, it made sense, honestly, because with my band, I felt like I couldn't be my true self. And so it felt like the music I was writing wasn't authentic to myself either. And that doesn't help your mental health. No. Not at all. Not at all. And like, that's why I felt so empty and like everything I wrote, I was just like, I hate this. And I would perform it. And I was just like, why is everyone clapping? Like, why do they enjoy this? I hate this, you know? Wow. It was awful. And so being a solo like artist and writing things myself, I actually feel pumped. Like I don't have to like write a part and then wait to, for someone to learn how to play it. And then they email me, this is too hard. Like, can you change it? Like now I'm like, no, I don't have to change it. Like I can write the most insane part that makes me want to have a heart attack. But whatever, <laughs> only I have to deal with me learning that, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's more fun. And I feel like I can just like, I just don't have limits, you know, like the limitations are gone. So I'm like, yes, like, I feel like it's my playground again, like that feeling where it's fun. Like music is actually fun again. Releasing yourself from the shackles of a band. That's been a huge boost to your mental health then. Yes, completely, completely. And my writing has gotten better too. That's what I feel at least. You and you've recently just signed with a label as well. Yeah, I think like a key there, like a prog rock label. I can hear, and, and I didn't know if it was if that was the the best way to describe it, but I can definitely hear some prog in the the music that you sent me. And I'm like, okay, this is different. Uh, this is really really good. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, because that's the music that I've been trying to write this whole time, like prog music. And I honestly got so lucky finding things like a key, like Roger. Shout out to him. He's the one that like helps me with everything. Because um, most labels, because like my solo stuff is like kind of prog, weird, like art rocky, they didn't really know how to categorize me or like, you know, and I've had some labels that like, get back to me like, this is really good, but like, I don't know what to do with this, basically. <laughs> like, Roger was like the only one who was like, no, like this makes sense to me. Like I know how to make this make sense to other people. And so that's why like my new sounds are more prog and kind of experimental because I felt safe finally to be like, you know what? I can actually like write how I wanted to like Jethro Tolls and my hugest in like my main influence. I always say like my dog is named Jethro Toll. Like every, <laughs> everything I do like musically, I'm like, okay, like Ian Anderson did this. I want to be cool. Like him, even the way I sing, like doing a lot of vocal runs that comes from Ian Anderson. So being a prog artist, like, even though it's like, unless again, you're like Genesis, yes. Or lucky enough to be Ian Anderson, yes. it doesn't pay the bills. Like being a rock star does it makes me happy. You know, the timing isn't exactly right for, for no. prog at this point. I mean, it's not no. 70s was seventies. Yeah. I would have been rolling in the dough, yep. you know, I'd say that I'd be rolling in the dough. But I hopped out of the time machine a little too late. <laughs> uh, you hit the wrong button. Uh, right? Yeah. So, 
are you performing everything on the new albums or do you have people playing with you? No, I play everything. Wow. I do everything. I wrote everything. All the vocals are me, like everything. I mix everything too, produced wow. it. Yeah. And you have a single, which is the, the first single that's coming out? It's called um, 31 and it's called 31 because I'm turning 31 on Tuesday. And it's basically just like a summation of just like everything I've experienced musically. This song lyrically is literally about everything I talked about, like why I don't perform and like feeling dead inside. song is about that like the night I would be on stage like out with people and like how everyone would be clapping but like I just felt like a fucking like skeletal husk where I was just like you guys are literally like clapping for my death almost like I'm at my funeral that's how I would feel almost wow I was just like I don't feel fulfilled and like I would just hide and I talk about hiding in the green room and like my thing after every show was like Irish goodbyeing because I was so depressed like I would let my band basically talk to all the fans like talk to all the girls drunk like take all the credit and I was just like I need to go home like and I would just slink out the green room and disappear oh, you know and so that's what the whole song is about just like the get how I got sick of the Irish goodbyes and slinking off stage and that's, just speak my own thing. It's one of my favorites. I the one that sent me that, and I love space and time. Oh, yeah. All right. song that's one of my favorites it's about three different people i loved oh awesome and um yeah it's really it's just about feeling kind of a joke like hopping out of the time machine at the wrong time like meeting people at the wrong like even though you're perfect for each other like you meet at the wrong time or like maybe it's too late to connect or like things like that but you still have this like deep longing for them and almost a long for like a, t a longing for a time that like you didn't make it to you know the perfect time that you didn't exist for you you're like wow i wish i could exist in that like perfect time so like we could be together like work things out yeah and so that yeah. song's about three different like men i felt that for oh wow your approach to the subject matter is so unique and your voice yeah. is so unique and I, I love your voice i love the way you, you do your harmonies i listen to it and i'm like oh yeah that's that's definitely hawk percival i oh, thank you yes i can pick and, and i guarantee anybody who listens to you once will be able to pick you out from anybody so oh, i love that i've really enjoyed what everything that you've sent to me it's just again it's it's like uh we were talking about it earlier where it's it's music that you know i can see myself in a bad mood choosing these songs to turn myself around oh good and that's why i write because that's what i hope when i'm writing it that's why oh, i try to stay triumphant like my instrumentation like i try to use like dynamics in a way so it feels like the song's almost like carrying you up the mountain you know yeah. Well, that and your your vocal performances are, are that way, too. Your singing is just, nice. it's triumphant. You know, it's positive. It's not, and I hate to use this as an example, but it's not like, you know, Elaine Staley, where it's real dark and everything's minor key. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, you're, you're just much more uplifting. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. Have we touched on everything that, you, that uh, you think we should touch on for music and mental health? Or is there more, is something else that you want to hit on? I'm I open think, to to whatever you're in, whatever you're up for. 
Yeah. I mean, I think we covered good things. I'm trying to think if there's anything like important for like people listening out there that I didn't mention. Yeah. I mean, we I'm we met notes. Yeah, like look at your notes. I talked about like, yeah, psychology. We mentioned like we're not like mental health professionals. So please like, you know, see one. Like therapy is good. You know, like I'll emphasize that point. Like don't let the stigma of like psychology and just even going to treatment for mental health, especially as an artist. That's why like foundations like music cares and things like that are so important to me. Because like artists, I just being a musician in general, out of all the forms of art, like we are looked down the most, even though we have people like the Rolling Stones, like Stevie Wonder, like musicians who are successful, they're like millionaires can take care of themselves. Like musicians are still like, we're looked at as like these weird gesture people almost, you know, we're not taken seriously. We're not very respected. And so it's important like to, for musicians to have like some kind of emotional or mental health support, you know, because a lot of us like do like turn to like drugs or just self-destruction because that's just natural for artists, you know? And I think two areas of art are ripe for, for people to, to take advantage of, and that's music and visual arts. Yes, yes. And especially with the uh, the internet being everywhere, you know, you can just take a, a picture that you like, that you like, and you just pull it right off of a site. You can Literally. find, uh, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can just pull anything off of YouTube that you want if you've got the right programs. You know, it's it's just ripe for theft and for and 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 for not improving the artist's mental health because yeah because you know you put all this stuff out there and it just gets taken it It gets taken and like not prep not not properly reimbursed for the the time and effort that you put uh that part is so heavy because a lot of like artists like even good players like again like i'm obsessed with dave swarbrick right now but he kind of just emphasized to me the point where like you could be the best like musician the best session player like out of this world but you could be like dirt poor because like people do not pay you right or they don't even respect you enough to like let you know you're not being like compensated correctly and like record like record labels will like harp on the fact that like okay this artist suffers from mental illness or like emotional issues that stop them from like paying attention to certain details you know that's why a lot of like there was a thing of like 70s musicians who are now like successful now were like all of a sudden they looked and found out their business manager was like robbing them blinds yeah you because know? the manager knew like not only did they have like childhood trauma that gave them like daddy issues and just like parental issues so they saw this like manager like elvis's case his manager is almost like a father figure like the parent they never had and they were like robbing them blind yeah, yeah. you don't hear that with like actors like you don't hear that happening and like the film society it's like a musician thing. It's like not even the industry looks at us with respect. Like they'll rob us too and still treat us like the trained monkey. Like, no, hop, like clap your hands, keep going, you know? And it's, it's so dark, you know? And that's a big reason why I stopped performing. Cause I was like, I don't want to be the trained monkey. Like, I don't want to be like Swarbrick where I'm like playing my ass off and I have to like ask my fans to play for my like effing like transplant, you know? Like musicians shouldn't have to do that. And then there's actors who like literally have been like acting for a year, but it's like, oh, they have like benefits, all these things and they don't have to worry. It's just, it's yeah. so messed up. I'm like, musicians, we need respect. Our mental health would be better, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And so my recommendation is to support the artists you love. Yes. Buy their music. Don't just steal it. Don't just listen to it on streaming. Yeah. Streaming doesn't pay our bills and like that helps our mental health and streaming doesn't pay for mental health care either. You Go know? see them live. If you get the chance, yes, buy vinyls, do something Buy merch, buy music. Yes. And if, if you're feeling stuck, if, if you're feeling, and this is my non-professional <laughs> advice. Yeah. Me. Yes. Emphasizing. Yeah. If you're feeling stuck, try something creative. Yes. You know, that's, that's how I got into photography. That's how yes. I mean, you got into music. That's yes. how so many people got into things. Uh, uh, 
great friend of mine, Joseph Massey. That's how he got into poetry. Uh, it's just, and you may not be good at it at first, but exactly. You keep going, yes. If it's something you love, it doesn't matter if, if you're good at it or not. Instead of choosing self-destruction, choose creativity. Like, yes. Choose love, like Jerry Garcia always says. Like, exactly. remember the love that you have to give, you know? Exactly. Try, go outside, a little outside your comfort zone and, and do something that looks a little interesting to you, a little exciting. Whether it's yes. picking up an instrument, writing poetry, grabbing a camera, even, even your cell phone camera, just experiment try some new stuff and and you may find something that you really love and and that'll help your your mental health yes all, all right where can people find uh your music at this point how how can they get the album when it's out my album well the first half of my album night moods volume one is actually on um amazing radio uk which is in the link in my bio um hawk personal music or the hawk percival but I have it on amazing radio um, for now to stream for free. My singles are all on Spotify and you can buy volume one night moods on amazing radio only. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So for my UK fans, I'm like, it's on amazing radio, but as an American, you can still listen to it too. Cool. It's just like not going to be as like natural as like opening Spotify, but it's in the link in my bio. And what's the best way for people to follow you to find out when you're releasing new music? If And if you get the itch to perform again. Um, follow me on Instagram, Hawk Personal Music, and also Twitter. I'm pretty sure my Twitter name is Hawk Personal Music page. But if it's not that, it's Hawk Personal Music. Perfect. Well, there are not a whole lot of Hawk Percivals, so I'm sure you Yeah, can... right? <laughs> Block all the other Hawk Percivals, report them. Exactly. Otto, thank you so much. This has been a blast, and uh, I, I really am grateful to have gotten to know you over the past couple of years, and let's let's do this again sometime soon. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me on. I always love like talking with you and like doing this show. It's so fun. Me too. We'll, we'll pick up another subject. Maybe we'll do uh, something about Neil Young or something soon. Yes. Or Jethro Tull. Yes, always. I can talk about Jethro Tull for hours, days, years. All right. I'll find somebody <laughs> and, and we'll we'll do a Jethro Tull chat. Yes. Awesome. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.